Welcome to Sports with Friends. This is episode 394 as we get ever so closer to the Magic 400. We are continuing to talk about women in sports as we are celebrating Women's History Month. Last week, we released an episode on International Women's Day with Olympic medalist Devin Logan. She was outstanding. I hope you go back and uh, check that episode out if you haven't already. This week, we are going to do something a bit different. I read a fascinating book entitled When Women Stood, The Untold History of Females Who Changed Sports and the World. And when I first was handed the book, I thought it was going to be a chronological history of pioneers, and I thought "Eh, that might be an interesting podcast. And then when I started reading it, it's a series of short stories about pioneers, about controversies, and the author has quite an interesting tale to tell. Alexandra Allred is an adjunct professor and a researcher of sports and exercise science. She won the first ever U.S. Women's Bobsled Championship when she was more than four months pregnant. She's a former professional athlete and also an author of award-winning books, At a Girl, A Celebration of Women in Sport. For this book, she spoke to Jesse Graff, Catherine Switzer, Nancy Lieberman, who's been on this podcast, Brianna Scurry, many, many more. She talks about social media. She talks about very controversial issues, including transgender. She writes about the Me Too movement. She wrote about scandals, including the Larry Nassar disgusting gymnast scandal with the U.S. gymnastics. There's literally so much that she touched on, and I was enthralled. I said, we have to do this podcast, and if we're going to do something during Women's History Month... This is the week to do it. It is also the first week of the NCAA tournament. People have always asked me, why don't I do a college basketball, like an NCAA tournament preview podcast? It gets outdated the instant you publish it. Because once those games start, it's just a whirlwind. And it goes from 64 to 32 to 16 teams, and just like that. So devoting a whole week to a college basketball podcast before the tournament Doesn't work. Maybe in April after the tournament's over, that's maybe a better idea. We will preview the first round of the NCAA tournament, so get your brackets ready. The head odds maker at BovadaSportsbook.com, Patrick Morrow, will pay us a visit. I also want to announce a new partnership for Sports with Friends. Uh, I've partnered with a new startup company. Uh, They have a new app, Marble. M-A-R-B-Y-L. More details on that during the episode. Uh, It's a cool new app, and you can subscribe to podcasts with it. They also make clips of podcasts, and they can base the clips on subjects that you want to hear. So if there's something that you want to hear from my podcast, or if you want to hear a subject from another podcast, you can do so. Just go to the Marble app in the uh, App Store or Google Play, and we'll have details on that as well. And we are pleased to welcome Alex Allred to the podcast. Alex, first of all, thank you so much. Congratulations. When you decided to go out and and talk about, essentially, as I said in the open, this is the history of women in sports. Did you have a, a, a thesis that you were trying to get out? Or were you trying to just gather a whole slew of information and see what you had? Or did you have a mission statement? So I, um, yes, to all the above. So in 2002, um, I published, or it was published with Wish Publishing, um, At a Girl, a Celebration of Women in Sports. And at that time, you know, just 
2002, I thought, what, what, what advancements women have made. And I was really proud of it. And that was sort of a celebration of where women have come in sports. Um, as I was on the women's bobsled team and there's great stories there. And so that was truly in my mind, that was a celebration of, of women and where we've come. It's 2022, you know, last year when I pitched to Roman and Littlefields, this new book, because I realized we're 20 years later and, um, there's quite a few issues that are a little upsetting to me. <laughs> so I'm a professor really? of kinesiology. Yeah, I'm a, I am teach kinesiology at the university level. And my students, and a lot of them are student athletes, but my students are tomorrow's coaches, trainers, physical therapists, occupational therapists. And I'm, I'm realizing that I'm looking at kinesiology books academia, in academia who, that literally give two, I'm not kidding here, two to three pages on females and you know how can we possibly expect great coaches and great therapists and trainers when this is what they've got and so that really was when I decided I I need to I need to write another book let it be mainstream so there's interesting history but this is really going to if you expect to be a leader in any kind of way in the field of sports recreation kinesiology this is for you honestly First of all, tell our listeners where you teach and 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 who you teach and 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 you know how how you got involved in that, and then we'll get into your bobsled experience and uh, how you got in that because you know as somebody who lives in Texas, uh, how often are you on a bobsled and yeah, <laughs> how does somebody go from a bobsled to Texas? I there there's so many untold questions here. Yeah. And surprisingly, there's a lot of winter sport athletes from Texas. But so I teach at Tarleton State University uh, in the kinesiology department. And again, the majority of my students are probably student athletes or people who know that they want to get into coaching. That's the majority of my students okay. and physical therapy, a lot of gym owners, that that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I so the two years ago, we started teaching women's sports history. And it's been a phenomenal experience because the one thing that I hear from all of my male and female students is they'll say, how did I never know this? Or right. I didn't know this. I feel badly that I didn't know this. And to give you some examples, you know, it's not, I don't just talk about the pioneers in women's sports who are amazing and fantastic, but I highlight things like the Mary Kane story. And a lot of people don't know, Mary Kane was called the fastest girl in America. She was um, Olympic bound and Nike swooped her up, right? And they're going to, they're going to, she's part of the Nike project. And Tell she had, the um, year. The, what year is this? Uh, this was a uh, uh, golly, you would ask me that. I think it was 2015 along that okay. line. I'll, as we're talking, I'll kind of double check that. Um, but she's brought into the Nike project and they she's arbitrarily given a, a weight you should weigh this much and the coaching staff whom we would all believe would be the top notch right and I'm not picking on these guys because this goes this lends to women's history in sports they had no idea about the female triad which is a medical it, it, it how much how many carbohydrates and what's the protein level that women should have the bone structure how her menstrual cycle will affect her her 
performance and nutrition and, and all over health. And so they didn't know anything about the female triad, the female autonomy. They didn't know anything about diet, anything. And so they arbitrarily gave her this weight that she should have, starved her to death. And she, they literally and figuratively almost killed her. I mean, just, she was suicidal. Um, they destroyed her career. And, and it's, it's a heartbreaking story. And what I'm here to tell you is she wasn't even the 780,000th female this has happened to. And so, but it's an extreme case because she was Mary Kane and it was Nike. And so I, I teach my students, you know, did you know right now our top medical universities in the country still use the 154 pound male model to represent women in medicine? You know, we, we, still don't, uh, we still don't have women in all clinical trials while women will wake up in the middle of surgery because we react differently to anesthesia. We react differently to pain medication and sleeping aids and so many things and yet women aren't in this, right? And so you think, how is this possible? So in 2020, Congress told our top medical uh, universities, you need to start incorporating uh, gender studies in terms of um, women in, in medicine. And the response was, well, we got this curriculum. And so our students know that they can study that on their own time. Anyone who's, anyone who's even watched yeah. A television show knows that our medical students are exhausted. They're not going to take the time to study. And so we have we have all these problems of women in sports and women in medicine. And I, this is what I teach my students. And so there's a lot of happy stuff, too. But we need to understand what our starting point is if we're really going to start looking at females in sports. Okay. I, I just know there's a lot. Sorry. No, no, no. I want to unpack some of what you said. And I want to understand how to be fair because there's a fine line in properly being able to treat a woman differently than a man Yes, and not getting too personal. Um, and, and understanding what that line is, is something that needs to be explained uh, because, you know, understanding that, like you said, that a woman reacts differently to anesthesia. Like people need to know those types of things. Right. Uh, those type, the, the physical capabilities, you know, the things that I would never even think to ask because ignorance, right. you know, like just, right. just ignorance that needs to be explained. If you are going to, um, proper if, if, if there, people want e equality in certain ways equality in pay but they don't want equality in treatment because a right. woman shouldn't be taken care of by a doctor the same way that they're that a man is taken care of because they're different people right i it's funny too as i um, and I say this with with great admiration, but listening, you were kind of struggling on how to even present that. And I, I was I was just smiling to myself because I was thinking that's that is this topic, because we all find ourselves searching for the right way to say something because everything is so sensitive right now. Right. And so what I tell my college students is, but it shouldn't be if you're going to be a, if you're going to be great at being a coach or a trainer or a therapist, then be great. 
And part of being great is doing the doing your due diligence for the, know your research and know your subject. If the if talking about a menstrual cycle, for example, is so disturbing to you, then perhaps you should not be head coach of the women's soccer program, <laughs> you know? And so, but we need to kind of get over that. And I'll tell my male students, my student athletes all the time, a lot of men get into coaching women's sports, not by choice, but by happenstance that, you know, they, they really wanted to be a tr men's track coach, but when they were trying to get their foot in the door, this the women's, women's job is open. Sock, right. And that, right. and so that happens a lot. Okay. Be fine. And I, so I tell my guys, get, get ready for that. But when I say get ready for that, I mean, get ready for that. Right, you know, you right. need, you need to understand your athletes if you're going to be a great coach. Right. So you can't be afraid of topics, any topics. More of this discussion on women's sports with Alex Allred. But first, it is NCAA tournament time. The big dance. That's the big Megillah. And we will take a look at each and every bracket with the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow. So let's start off in the South region. The top seed is Alabama. Number two is Arizona. Uh, number three is Baylor. And number four is Virginia. What say you about the South region? Seth, uh, I think this uh, region has broken really well for Alabama. Alabama played, obviously, very great basketball this year. A little bit of distraction a couple weeks ago with some of the issues surrounding Brandon Miller. But this team has been one of the better teams in college basketball the second half of the season. Uh, a lot of people thought Auburn was going to be the team coming into the SEC, but they took a bit of a step back. Looking at the other teams around them, Arizona did really well winning the Pac-12 tournament. Baylor had a good year in the Big 12. Virginia, always very curious what they can do because they slow it down all around you. I do think this is Alabama's uh, region to win. They are the plus 190 favorite at Bovada. I will throw one out there, though. Uh, Utah State at 40-1 to 1 is currently getting a lot of sleeper betting with us. Isn't it? So pretty wide open. I would say Alabama looking good, though. All right, let's go to the Midwest region. The top seed is Houston. The number two is Texas. Number three, Xavier. And the number four, the Indiana Hoosiers. An interesting 8-9 game between Iowa and Auburn. Tell me about the Midwest region. Seth, I've, I've got to say that I'm a little bit frustrated. And I say this because I'm someone that likes the analytics in college basketball way more than I like the popular teams. And Houston has been a team that for a few years now has kind of flown under the radar. They did not do that this year as well. They were the top Ken Palm team for most of the season. Uh, the Futures board liked them as well. And this is usually a team that I'm getting on in March, but this is a team that I think as analysts and uh, betters and just fans of the sport in general are becoming smarter in how they consume this. As a result, Houston is the plus 120 favorite out there. If you look at the rest of the bracket, it really breaks really, really well for them. Texas is there at number two, Xavier at number three. A&M was a pretty okay team in the SEC this year. I think they got a bad seed at number seven. That's going to hurt them with a potential, uh, you know, tough second round matchup. In terms of who's, you know, getting a little bit of, uh, you know, sleeper value there, Drake at 70 to one is getting a lot of bets, but I would say, you know, otherwise Kent State at 13, but this is really Houston's bracket to lose. They are better positioned than any other team. And that's why they are the biggest bracket favorite at Bavada right now. Okay, the Eastern bracket, uh, the top seed is Purdue. Then it's Marquette, uh, the number three seed, Kansas State. And number four is Tennessee. 
Let's talk about the Eastern bracket. Duke is the number five seed there. Seth, I think this might be the toughest bracket in the entire tournament. Uh, Purdue has played very good basketball all year. There was a chance that they might have ended up with the two seed, uh, but they ended up with the one. Marquette, incredible all season. Tennessee, very strong in the SEC. And you're looking at these Duke and Kentucky teams, and we talked about them last week, Seth. Two teams that started off the year pretty slow. Duke ended up winning the ACC championship, uh, the tournament anyways. Kentucky playing really good basketball the second half of the season. You got Michigan State in there. Memphis, uh, the other really, really strong team in the AAC that uh, knocked off Houston this past Sunday. This bracket is absolutely loaded. And I think what really reinforces that is compared to any of the brackets we've previewed so far, the betting is all over the place. There is not one team that's standing out from position point of view, uh, which is great as an odds maker because I can just let these East region bracket odds roll. And if it keeps going in this direction, we will likely have a winning position on most if not all of these teams heading into Thursday. A lot of things can change between now and then. Having said all of that, Purdue is your ever so slight three to one favorite at Bavada, but Marquette and Tennessee are right on their heels. And finally, the West bracket. Number one seed is Kansas. Uh, number two, UCLA, soon to be moving conferences. Number three is Gonzaga. Uh, this is the time when everybody remembers who Gonzaga is. Uh, number four is UConn. Uh, the eight nine game is the Arkansas Illinois matchup. An intriguing bracket for the West. Which poor Gonzaga, a little bit of slight from Seth Everett there. Um, listen, they're that they are that team that uh, usually has a very good regular season. And um, last couple of years, they've had a, a few one seeds attached to them heading into March Madness before eventually fading. They come into this one as a three seed in what I would say is a, a pretty wide open West bracket, not as strong as the East. But uh, you know, looking at Kansas, looking at UCLA, uh, th this really is anyone's bracket to come out of. Uh, Kansas started the year. Very strong, a bit of a fade late. Uh, they didn't win the Big 12 tourney, but that's a Bill Self special right there. Generally wins that Big 12 regular season almost every year, or at least a share of it. Tourney, not so much, but uh, listen, we know we know which tourney Big Bill Self really does care about, and it's not the Big 12 one. Looking at some of the positions so far, and uh, we've seen some sharp players really come out on a Connecticut team as the four seed. That is really, really popular. A great second half of the season, and the analytics love them. Ken, they're not just the four seed in the bracket. They are the fourth overall team at Ken Palm right now. So it's not a huge surprise that our largest liability is on Connecticut at Bavada at plus 550. VCU, the other one out there at 95 to 1, but those are some sleeper bets. The betters love UConn, Seth. Ah, yes, UConn. I remember playing UConn back in the day. The NCAA tournament. Enjoy the first round. Those first two days, Thursday and Friday, are some of the most exciting times in all of sports. Next week, we'll focus on the Sweet 16 with Patrick Morrow. Now back to our conversation as Women's History Month continues. We'll continue our conversation with Alex Allred. A lot of what's gone on in collegiate athletics, and you reference uh, Title IX uh, in the book, um, to me, Title IX is being challenged right now by the NIL, the the, the ability for athletes to make money um, because, yeah. you know, athletes that are making money generally are the male athletes. And it's not even just male athletes. It's the star male, male athletes. So it's right. the quarterback you know, and maybe the receiver on the football team and it's nobody else. And right. I think it, it kind of slaps title nine in the face. 
Um, yeah. You know, NIL is not, to me, the ruination of college sports. I think the transfer portal is because the transfer portal just, you know, and this is more for the audience, the transfer portal is – uh, the team has the, the school has no leverage whatsoever. And if a player doesn't like his situation for whatever reason, he literally can just say, I'm out of here. And there's nothing the team can do about it. Uh, pro sports don't have that. Uh, there's no sport that has that. Um, it, it's it's kind of obnoxious, uh, to be to be honest. And it's made college sports to me less desirable. Uh, from a fan standpoint, but from a Title IX standpoint, what is the modern take on Title IX uh, from your perspective, given all the changes, a lot of which were predicated by COVID? You know, yeah, the transfer portal was created by COVID, but in this situation, uh, there was a situation in my alma mater in, in Syracuse, the coach uh, wasn't doing a good job, and all the players just said, we're out of here. And they all all left. And I I, there's what is a fan supposed to think? And what I what I always think about is these towns, these college towns where the whole town focuses on the university's athletic programs, both women and men. And there's nothing you can do about it. But to, to the root part of my question, how has the modern day college athletics impacted Title IX? Well, that is such a loaded question. And you're right. And that's, that's this what, is a loaded podcast. Yeah. You know, so I tell my students all the time with Title IX, like so many things, Title IX isn't just one thing. And, and it, it, you know, there's so many components. So like with the, the transfer portal, that is, that's a topic all to itself. In, in women's sports history, you know, I I spend the first part just talk, just dispelling the myths, you know, a lot of the myths uh, and the, the recurring one that I have all the time is it, the worry is, and it, and is in giving other people an equal platform we're taking away from group a loses if group B gets more. And so that's, that's the biggest thing that we have to talk about all the time. And so I break down, just how much people always assume that men's basketball and men's football, um, and I, I say men's football on purpose, um, but that they carry sports. And the reality is, is those are two incredibly expensive sports that usually don't generate a lot of money for the university, despite popular belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's always a big myth buster right there. And so Title IX is essential in terms of just quality care uh, for all athletes, not just females, but males as well. Sexual harassment and discrimination does occur with male athletes as well. So that's a really important, Title IX is vital. We've got to have it. Our biggest problem, I think, and then this can kind of go back toward the the transfer portal, is so many of our coaches, don't over 60% of coaches that took a recent poll admitted that they don't really understand Title IX. So if you don't really understand Title IX and what it's all about, then how can you, the coach, even better protect yourself and your staff? And so I think our I think our biggest thing right now is we need to we need to pump the brakes and every university and college should be turning around and looking internally and saying, all right, guys, we give quizzes to our students every day. 
pop quiz. You all are going to take this quiz. And we need to we need to find out how many people actually understand Title IX at the university and, the, and colleges. Because I bet you the numbers would be far worse than we realize. And coaches would be up in arms. They don't want to do this, but they should. We, we need to find out, educate them, and then we can turn around and start fixing these other little firestorms. And you brought up one of them right there. More of Sports with Friends in just a moment. You know, I love hosting this show, and obviously I want as many people as possible to hear every episode. I put a lot of effort into them. The reality, though, is that podcast discovery, whether you're a podcaster or a podcast listener, is hard. That's why I've partnered with the folks at Marble. Marble's AI. Yes, AI. We're getting closer to the Knight Rider car. Marble's AI identifies the five most interesting moments in a podcast episode and instantly transforms them into searchable, shareable clips called marbles. We've done close to 400 episodes of this show, and sometimes you want to hear about themes that we've done. You can search for hockey podcasts that we've done, football podcasts that we've done. If you want to hear about the paralysis situation with Eric Legrand, or the release of Brittany Griner. We've done four separate podcasts on Brittany Griner's arrest. All the amazing coverage we did of sports and COVID. You can easily make a marble out of this. It's easy to create and share marbles from anywhere inside my episodes on the Marble app. And as a listener of Sports with Friends on Marble, I think it's cool that anyone can go in and be the first to claim something that's said on the show as their own personally created marble. You can share it on Instagram, TikTok, social media, and if you're old like me, you can even put it on Facebook. You can be the first to marbleize a moment on the show, and it helps me get discovered. If you're a podcaster, join me in marbleizing your show. Just head to marble.com, that's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com to get started. And if you're a listener that doesn't have a podcast, it's a great and free way to directly support Sports with Friends to get the app, simply create and share one marble from something said on this show that you enjoyed, not something you hated. When you subscribe to my show on Marble, you'll get access to all the latest marbles as they roll out. Marble is a free app for both iOS and Android users, so head to marble.com, that's M-A-R-B-Y-L.com, or search Marble in the app or Google Play stores and change the way you listen to podcasts. When you talk about pioneers, uh, one of the things that you referenced, you referenced uh, menstrual cycles. Yeah. Um, and what I thought of, I'm watching the, uh, the documentary, this amazing documentary. I, I could do whole podcasts on sports documentaries. Um, there that's my drug. Uh, I, I go down a rabbit hole of sports documentaries and I never come out. I'm watching the, uh, break point, the tennis documentary. Oh yeah. And what I often wonder, I, I often wonder, I, you know, I have two daughters and, and one of them, you know, she's developing, she's 14 years old. And I often wonder, what do you do if you're a woman and you're going into like 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 a semifinal of a major tournament or, you know, a minor? It doesn't have to be a grand slam, but like a major tournament and you're getting ready to play and you feel like absolute crap. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. Like so... You're a bobsled like you're competing. You're getting ready to go in the bobsled and you feel 
forget all the 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 physical part part of it like your hormones and everything like you're thrown for a loop and you feel like absolute garbage and i can't imagine you know being at the top of my game at that level because i couldn't imagine doing this show if i felt like shit i've canceled podcasts because i don't feel well but it's not because of a time of the month kind of situation I, I can't. We are asking athletes to compete on a high, high level. And I know you touched on this during the book. So first of all, let me pick up my pin right now and put Seth on the top of my all time favorite podcast list. Oh, nice. You haven't <laughs> heard the you, 390 other episodes, though. Yeah. Listen, you just hit on something that most people are terrified, male or female, to talk about. And the, and. Oh, there, golly, there's so many answers. So yeah, you, you hit on something so, so important and that's elite female athletes, just like elite male athletes, we're control freaks. And so I, one, one of just a thousand things that male athletes just can't identify with is that as a control freak, this is one thing that women can't control. We can't control this when it's coming, it's coming. And that, and, and I know so many, I've known and know so many elite phenomenal female athletes. It would just freaking piss us off. You know, people think it's, it's not just about the hormones, but it's just like, I can't, damn, I cannot believe this is happening right now. A great example is, um, Dr. Stacy Sims. And she is, um, she teaches at the university level in New Zealand. She's an iron woman. She's going to the Ironman competition in Hawaii. It's, it's, this is an extraordinary event. She's one of the best of the best. She knows she's going to do great. The end of this long story is she winds up in the medical tent and she's bombed. She's in agony and she's also so distraught. How is this happening? And she's talking to some other female athletes and she's like, what, what the hell happened to me? And they said, okay, well, were you just about to start your period? And she's like, yeah, but in her mind, she was like, okay, but it's, I'm going to be able to do this compete before all the, this nightmare starts. Right. Hey. And so her, all these athletes go, oh, well, you know, you understand that, you know, 72 hours before it's going to happen, this is all these ph- physiological things happen. Yep. She gets back to New Zealand. And she says to one of the premier researchers in exercise science in the world and says to him, how in the hell did I not know this? How, as a female elite athlete, how did I not know any of this information? And it had to be other female athletes who told me. And he said, well, we don't really study that. Females are a bit of an anomaly in sports. And so we don't research you guys. (laughs) Hmm. And, you know, and it's true. Only 6% of studies go to female athletes because of our hormones. and And this is the same reason for the clinical trials in medicine. Because of our hormones, we're dubbed too time-consuming and too expensive because we kind of throw off tests to really study. And so that means over 50% of the world is neglected because of this complication. And yet, and and I say this, I, I have to be careful I say this, but, and yet the IOC in 2014 said, yeah, sure, let transgender females in sports. Oh, now you're opening another can of worms. And, I, and it is a huge can of sports. And I, and I tell my, I have have had and have transgender female athletes in my, my, my classes that I teach. And so I say with great respect, I absolutely, I believe that every person should be able to become and be who they, who they are, who they feel they should be, who they want to be, whatever. And, and I, and I genuinely 
I genuinely sure. mean when I what I say. But when it comes to this small space, until we raise that 6% up to something much higher, until we have coaches that know what to do, much less have a conversation about menstrual cycles and the female triad and everything else, we cannot open up this space until we understand this population. And that I, I feel very strongly about that. I, I know that I've upset people and I'm so sorry because it, this has nothing to do with discrimination of anyone else. I'm trying to, I'm trying to say, let's be safe and let's be smart and let's actually study hormones before we bring anybody else in. I look at it a, a little differently. I, to me, you know, anybody can do whatever they want and, you know, we should accept people for what they are, whatever you want to be, you can be that that's neither here nor there. That to right. me, uh, that, that's not up for debate. What is up for debate is there are scam artists on every level. And there are people who are ugly and cheating all the time. As somebody who's covered sports for 30 years, there's always people who are trying to beat the system. Yeah. So if somebody is, I'll, I'll say what it is. If there is somebody who is changing their gender because they could get, because they couldn't compete on the men's level in any sport, swimming or whatever, whatever sport, but they could win on the female level and they go through whatever uh, surgeries or medical treatments to become a woman and they do it for the absolute wrong reasons, that, that wouldn't shock me in the slightest. I, that, that would, that if I, if I found out that person, I always say, you know, people always say truth serums. I always say it's Wonder Woman's magic lasso. You know, yeah. if you could, if you could wrap Wonder Woman's magic lasso and find out, is there an athlete that did that for the absolute wrong reasons? I would say, I would, I, I wouldn't even bat an eyelash. I like that wouldn't even shock me in the slightest. So the reason, the reasons why I hesitate to just say, Anybody can compete on any level is because there's so much unknown and I'm not altruistic enough to say I trust everyone because I don't. I I will confess I've never thought of it in that way. And, and it's hard for me to imagine that a um, it's hard for me to imagine that a cisgender male would say, I'm I'm gonna transgender. I mean, I'm gonna trans transition just so I can dominate in another sport. Well, so, I don't th I don't think I, I don't think it's that simple. Yeah, I yeah. I, I don't think it's say, that, I don't think it's that cut and dry. But I I, I think but, that 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 exists. That that, yeah, that totally I, exists. Well, and, Leah Thomas is a perfect example. Um, you, you know, this topic always goes into um respecting people. And so, and, and which is, I just, I completed over 4,000 years of the history of, of women in, in, in athletics. So yeah, I'm all about respecting people. But for me, you know, I always just say, Leah Thomas knew when she was just absolutely destroying the field, which is the pool, um, that she knows how the, the advantages that she has. And so that's so disrespectful to her cisgender female athletes who do have their menstrual cycles and hormones we carry more fat we 
are you know the male organs are larger the lung capacity is greater and so there's so and even after two years of of um testosterone repression uh suppression it there the his the 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 male biological male's testosterone level is just higher not to mention the the body itself is is structurally um right those are all facts yeah and that's and none that's, of that is a biased fact or a racist fact or a prejudiced fact right and that's that's how i present it to my my students but that's why i say is you know so going back to the discrimination of of cisgender females is we're still it's 2023 and we're still tripping over ourselves about talking about a menstrual i guess it was the 2020 games and uh, a, a chinese swimmer really shocked the sports world when she said yeah i, I did terribly because i just had my period everyone was just like oh. right. they couldn't believe that she that she just said that but this is our reality and only in the last I was going to say decade, but not even a decade, only really in the last five or six years have female athletes finally felt like they can actually have this conversation in public without being ostracized. Look, like I said, you can be, you can be what I, what I describe as an ally and yet, you know, be on the fence when it comes to yeah. transgender and, and sports. Uh, you yeah. can't, uh, it, 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 it's not a, an open and shut case. Um, but you can also be an ally and say that there are, uh, superstars that are amazing. Uh, for example, I remember, uh, people asked me if I got any flack on social media when I said that Simone Biles, uh, can be a, on the X-Men because she's gotta be a mutant. She is that <laughs> spectacular Yeah, because there's something about her that is that remarkable. What she can do is different than what other human beings can do and i remember oh, yeah. you know uh way back uh in, years ago on this podcast we had ali raceman and i said that to uh um to ali ali about simone biles and she agreed she just said yeah. she's just a mutant um, yeah, she's well she and she's on the cover as you've seen she's on the cover of my book yeah. and there and you three, chose that they, you chose that the publisher didn't choose that i did and you know let, let me tell you there's over 400 women in this book and when they said, what three women would you want to put on the cover? I was like, holy smokes, how could I possibly? So I thought about it. And so let me tell you why Simone is on. the. So it's Simone and Ronda Rousey and then um, an Afghanistan runner, um, Kohistani. And the reason I picked the three of them, is, but Simone specifically, we all know she's the goat. She, like you said, she, she, she belongs in the cast of X-Men. Um, I'll support that. Uh, and, uh, but I did it because remember when she got the twisties and she withdrew from the Olympic games and a lot of people jumped all over her because we expected her to do whatever we wanted her to do because she, she was supposed to bring us the gold. And the thing is to me, she on this cover, she actually stands for mental health and wellness because what none of us knew is that we found out later on, she was one of Larry Nassar's victims. Well, of course, but nobody you know? knew it at the time. Right. And that's, you know, so I say we had no idea what was really going on with this phenomenal athlete. And so she that's why she's on the cover. I'll tell you, I, I chose Ronda Rousey because, you know, a lot of people either love her or they hate her. I mean, there's no in between with Ronda Rousey. And one of the reasons that people hate her is because she is this she's you know, she's this trash talking, uber confident, 
uh, athlete. She's she talks about sexual prowess. I mean, she she's she's got a she cusses like a sailor, and she makes no apologies. And people will say that to me, and then I'll be like, "Oh, you mean like other MMA fighters?" Because <laughs> you know she's not behaving any differently from any MMA fighters. But we always expect women to behave differently. They're different standards. So that's why she's there. And then Koestani's there because I will tell you, since this book came out, she's disappeared. We have no contact with her wow. because of the Taliban. Wow. So I need to say any more than that. Right. But she, but she hadn't disappeared when you put her on the cover. No, she was, you know, she was on social media and doing interviews. Wow. She was, you know, and she wasn't a phenomenal yeah. athlete in the world of women's sports, but for her country, what she was doing and running, it was, was amazing, you know, and she was kicked out of when she found out she was going to the Olympics. She was, and she was so happy that she made the mistake of telling her taxi driver and she had a taxi driver because she's not allowed to drive. And so she told her taxi driver, I'm going to the Olympics. And he stopped the car and kicked her out in, in a really bad place. But he kicked her out and she had death threats, but she still competed. And then now now she's disappeared. Usually when we uh, wrap up the podcast, um, uh, we usually talk about social media. But you actually have a huge chunk of your book about social media. Um, you know, in the almost 400 episodes. Oh, my God. We're coming up on 400. I'm very stressed about it. Um, in the almost 400 episodes of this podcast we've we've had, we've had at least 100 women, if not close to 200 women on, on this on this podcast. Uh, everyone has a different answer about social media. Um, in the course of the research for this book and the people that you talk to for this book, uh, it has to be much different to be a female athlete uh, than a male athlete uh, in social media. It's probably easier to get followers. Uh, but. Uh, when you do something, whether it's good or bad, it's got to be absolute torture. Uh, the 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 things that you see, we had Julie DeCaro on on this podcast, and she talks about just some of the sexual innuendo on some of the mentions that she gets on social media. It's just disgusting. I mean, it, people are gross uh, on social media, and it's stuff I don't see. Um, you know, I have my own Twitter battles, uh, but nothing like that. Um, from a standpoint of social media, um, do you see a good number of women? I've seen women do a wonderful job of manipulating social media so that it can be to their benefit. And then yeah. there are athletes out there that have taken over their own brand to the point of where there are wonderful follows on social media. Um, not a sports one, but my my new favorite uh, follow on social media is Linda Carter. She was Wonder Woman on TV. Yeah. She is just she is just tremendous on social media. Um, there's just people who are are great at it and people who aren't, but it's so much harder for females. Um, yes and no. So if, if, if that female decides to play the sex, you know, the sex appeal, it's easy to get a lot of, a lot of followers, but you know, it's, it's unfortunate because she sells her athletic soul for that. And so what over the years I've over the years I've I've had this conversation I, I was getting so stressed when you were talking cuz cuz I the, all the answers I've talked to so many female athletes about this and it's the the gambit ranges from um stalkers that are just annoying stalkers to dangerous stalkers I I've interviewed quite a few women who had to get um protective orders from um from stalkers 
dangerous stalkers um, to death threats, rape threat, and rape threats are are so common for female athletes. And so here's here's how the light the life of the female athlete on social media goes. She gets on, she starts gaining followers. She decides how it is she's going to be. Is she going to be the straight athlete or is she the sex pot? And they kind of divide there. But in both cases, if they ever do or say something controversial that is somehow offends the, the feminine ideal that society holds, that's when the rape threats come in. That's when the death threats oh, come God. in. That's I can just when, imagine. yeah, and this is a reality. And I will tell you that I've actually had one in which I was, you know, I, I made a comment and then I was told that I was, that before I was bludgeoned to death, that I was going to be raped. And in, I've, I, in my book, I actually do gamers as well. And so I, I have esport people in the book and, um, they, if once their gender was identified, then it began of literally just everybody would pile on in the gaming world to threaten to, burn her house down, rape her, rape her daughter. One woman had a five-year-old daughter. We're going to rape your daughter. We're going to rape you and kill you. And so it's a bit, it's a very different world and it's a very, um, it can be a very dangerous world. Yeah. It's I, my, whew, my blood pressure just went up just talking about this. And it's just one of the things that I address my student athletes about. You have to understand that um, the, the athlete experience between male and female is so different on so many levels from sponsors to what the things that you are allowed to say or show on social media. Hmm. It's, 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 it's quite extraordinary. We actually spoke to uh, a whole slew of female uh, esports players. They play a video game, uh, the team Dignitas, uh, the two-time champions at uh, one of the sports uh, they uh, they play. They're based with the Prudential Center, and uh, it's episode two oh seven for you uh, for the listeners. Uh, and it's on the podcast. We did a we did an esports podcast. I I, I don't, we didn't do another one because I thought it's not really an audio me- medium. It's more of a visual thing, so we, we couldn't have more esports people on the podcast. I could have them on. It's just hard to talk about without seeing it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I agree. It's hard. Anyway. Um, how can, what, what about your, uh, social media and how have, uh, reaction to the book been? What's the early reaction been? Well, the book is, is been out barely a month. So we're kind of, we're picking up steam, but you know, the thing that so far the reviews that I've been getting and people coming back is, um, the biggest thing has been, wow, this is a lot of research and it's a, it's a, yeah, this is my baby. and, And this. It's a lot of research, a but it really, and, a, and a, one, a nice review came in and said, this is the book that every female athlete and every dad should own. And, you know, I mentioned that earlier, but that that makes me really proud. But honestly, this is, if you love sports, this is, this truly is the book for you because it gives you an insight into a world that is so many, Brittany Griner, you know, her arrest really opened a lot of, a lot of men in particular, a lot of men's eyes to the fact of, oh, Women, women athletes go overseas. Well, to, people didn't to, understand why she was going yeah. overseas to play. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, that's your takeaway? Wow. I knew, yeah. I've known that for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to put the uh, link to the book in the show notes. Again, the book is called When Women Stood, uh, The Untold History of Females Who Changed Sports and the World. How can people find you online? How can they reach out to you? 
Um, I've got a website. It's www.alexandraallred.com, and you can find me there. But um, you can also find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. You can pretty much find me anywhere. Awesome. Well, we'll do that. And you'll be retweeting the podcast, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not kidding. I, I I have a list, and Seth just went to the top of my list for favorites because that was, nice. you, you asked great questions. It's like when uh, Verizon used to have their fave fives. I always wanted to be on people's fave fives. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is Alex Allred right here on Sports with Friends. Again, check out the book. If you're looking for a link, we'll put a short link right in the show notes of the podcast that you are listening to. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Remember, uh, if you can leave us a review, that helps iTunes markets the podcast. And of course, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure they don't flag any of our music here on the podcast. We will see you next week with a brand new episode. We'll see you then. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay. I got to be me. Smile, come on, please. I'm gone. Forget reaching my phone because I promise I'll be gone for a while. When you see me again, I hope that you have been the kind of person that you really are now. You got to get in straight. How could I ever be late when you're my woman taking up my time?